0: Hey you guys, this is the Couplings Fire podcast. Here's a couple of things you might need to know or maybe you just forgot. I'm Taylor, a volunteer firefighter and also a firewife to my favorite firefighter. Join me as I talk anything and everything fire related. I don't claim to be an expert. I just love to talk fire and everything I say is my own opinion. My goal, to inspire anyone listening to take the steps to bettering their department however they can. Let's get on to the episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Couplings Fire Podcast. I have an exciting one for you today. I, I'm I don't know what to say except for excited. I need to find a different word other than excited to use at these, the beginning of these podcast episodes, but it truly involves what I actually mean. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to talk to all these different firefighters about different subjects, and today is going to be a good one. I'm going to preface this for you guys if I cough and things like that if it actually makes it onto the recording. I don't mean to. I have a little bit of the cold. I will try to edit it out, but let's get into it and get past all that crap. <laughs> so, today with me, I have a very special guest, Nick Higgins from the Firehouse Tribune. So, Nick, why don't you tell uh, the guests a little? I don't have multiple guests on here. You're not multiple people. Sorry. Tell the listeners about yourself a little bit in case they don't know who you are.
1: Sure. Well, uh, first, thank you for having me. Um, secondly, I am a firefighter in New Jersey. I've been a firefighter for a little over 20 years now. I'm currently my department's training officer. I've been doing, working in a training for about three or four years now. Um, outside of that, I'm a New Jersey State Fire Instructor, National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, New Jersey advocate. And I'm very passionate about that. And I'm a national and, and recently been named international speaker as I've worked with the Africa Fire Mission, speaking with firefighters in Africa as well as speaking at firehouse and other state state and local conferences throughout the country. So uh, that's a little bit about me not to get too crazy. And, you know,
0: nice I'm not big on bios, not, bragging.
1: So, <laughs> not big on bios at all.
0: That is cool with the international speaker though. That, so, so uh, first rabbit trail of the evening. Can you tell me a little bit of what that entails? Cause what?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've been talking with uh, firefighters in Africa for uh, about a year now. Um, Working, working with them, talking with them about um, firefighting and helping them get stronger, I guess you can say, and, and, and for a lack of better term, get stronger at firefighting because they don't have the best resources. They don't have the training to do a lot of the stuff that we can do. So it's good to help them out through video chats, through uh, blogs. I'm actually sending them copies of my book. Um, once I get a whole shipment in from Amazon, i send a bunch of copies out to them uh, so they can read it and see what pertains to them and what doesn't. And you know, just helping them out in any way I possibly could and, and working with people in Canada as well. That's pretty cool. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of stuff with can, uh, the Canadian fire service over the last couple of months, especially through the pandemic. So yeah. I'm making a lot of connections out there. That's pretty cool. I, I have family out in Canada and I'm not Canadian or French Canadian, <laughs> but I have family out in Canada, you know, specifically Montreal. So it, it's kind of like near and really dear cool. same time. So it's, you know, I have family out there, but um, that's, you know, be able to help another country, couple, multiple countries is, is pretty cool.
0: I, I've I've not heard of much of that. Uh, just a little bit, and it just kind of reminds me go back to like, uh, mission strips and things like that. But this is just a different way of helping out with things. Um, right. It's interesting. Yeah, it just makes me want to look up more about it and whatnot, and just I don't know, just have you go into that. And uh, some someday I will. You know, there's too many things to go into, but
1: oh, yeah. that is really I'll cool. A I'll send you the link when we get off. I'll uh, shoot you over the link to the to the mission. That would be perfect. Let's see what they're about.
0: So, uh, so let's talk about the firehouse Tribune to start. Okay. So
1: yeah,
0: when, did, when did you start it? What, when, did when, and how did it start? It's probably a long story. I know, but
1: it's sort of long and sort of not long. It's kind of weird. Um, I was actually working at a fire academy and I was bored, I guess, in a sense, you want to say, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. And my, my boss, a very good friend now of mine and my mentor, who teaches me everything and everything, not even just about firefighting. I decided one day to start a website, not tell anybody, and did a 14-day trial at Squarespace and see what happens. And ironically, it got launched in Canada. Believe it or not, I was actually (laughs) on a trip to Canada. It got launched in Canada. But um, it started because I wanted to have more of a voice than just teaching in an academy, teaching to guys in my fire department, training with guys, learning from... Taking the stuff that I've learned for many, many years and the people I learned from and and just write things down in a way that anybody can pick it up and talk about things that people aren't always talking about and, and just get that out there. And I was doing it kind of like by myself and with my mentor. He was helping me out. He was writing a few things. And a good buddy of mine who's an EMT, no, actually no longer an EMT. He was an EMT at the time. Now he works at FAA helped me launch the website. So we launched the website. He wrote some articles as well. And next thing I know, I have people messaging me. Hey, I want to be part of, I want to be part of the team. And I had, I had no, no interest in doing that. But when I got the email, I fought it to my, at the time, co-founder named Sean. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's do it. I said, like, cool. So Nick Baskerville, Lieutenant in a Northern Career Department in Virginia, Northern Virginia, Northern Career Northern Virginia <laughs> Career Department. <laughs> he was actually just on our web series last month, and he'll be back on next month. Um, he joined, a few other people joined. A few had left, and we just recently picked up a assistant chief out of New York State to come on as well. And he's been writing for us for a little over a year now. um He's going to be speaking this month, where we put together a web series um, during this pandemic. Cool. I'm a big um, big Jocko Willing fan. Mm-hmm. I read all his books. I have, I have everything, everything Jocko I have. It's kind of like crazy, but I have everything Jocko. Um, but I love the whole echelon fun thing. And I, I joined their their monthly training that's free webinars. And I came with the idea of like, let's do it. Let's do something. You know, we're, we're writing articles, we're going on podcasts, we're speaking at conferences, but there's more to the Fireworks Tribune just doing that. So we decided to put a web series together, a Kitchen Table. And we started out with Lieutenant Nick Baskerville. He came on and spoke about mentorship. This month, uh, January twenty fifth, it's a free event. Anybody can sign up. Just go on the website, click on the link, sign up. You get a you get a Zoom link the day of the event. Uh, Assistant Chief Tom Marciano. Uh, if you want to look him up, his his Instagram handle is Fireman Tom on the phone. Fireman Tom. You can find him on my page, and um, he's going to be talking about six tips for the new company officer. But it's really open to every officer, not just the new company officer, but he's having six tips on there to talk about it. We're doing 40 to 45 minute webinars with about a 10, 10, 15 minute discussion after that. Q&A, round table, kitchen table, towel stuff. And that's it. Every month every month for the next few months, we're going to do a different one. Um, Lieutenant Nick Bassville is going to be on again in February to talk about leadership. I don't know anything else besides that. He has not (laughs) given me the details, but if you want to look him up, storytelling on purpose that's his handle on instagram The guy could tell a story the, the guy can legitimately tell a story he could take a story that is fire service related related to a life event and then circle it back into the fire service and vice versa he started off his mentorship talking about a church and related it back to the firehouse
0: that's a talent so, <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> the guy can the guy can tell a story. And I say every time I talk to him, tell a story, man. you can really gravitate a story. And when he writes, it's the same situation. Same situation. I mean, it's great because the one thing we said the fire tribune is it's life in the fire service. It's not just firematic talk because you can only talk so much. Oh yeah. So you know, I want to bring in things like my background is in fitness. Uh, being an athlete. So I started talking about a lot of nutritional things and, and things that it, it is fire service related, but it's not, but it's more life related. So I always talk about um, uh, total optim- human optimization, which is something that comes from on it, and to optimize your body, optimize your life. And, and those are things I also talk about in the fire attribute. When I talk about the fitness, nutrition, I keep it very broad for anybody because. Not everybody's going to do some of the functional fitness workouts and CrossFit workouts, but you can still, in a sense, do functional fitness because functional fitness is a daily lifestyle. It's a way of life, and yeah. it's your daily movements—how you pick how you pick something up, how you carry things, how you move things—and to understand it in a very dumbed-down sense is what I've done in some of the articles I write. But then I get into firemanics, and the topics that I come up with really come from. What's going on in my experiences at that moment? Uh, I I wrote one on tie rods in masonry walls. I was sitting outside a restaurant during COVID, and I saw a couple of tie rods, and I'm like, I got an idea for an article. Let's talk about them. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about the ins and outs of it. Um, I was at my cousin's house uh, sitting around a bonfire. Let's talk about wind-driven fires because I was watching it, just mesmerized watching the fire move and the flames and how they move and how it it goes with the wind and and, and everything else. Let's talk about it. Um, I'll be sitting there eating salmon for dinner. Let's talk about why omega-3 fatty acids are very good for your body. Um, you know, why avocados are good for you. And and these are things you could put into the firehouse because you could bring it to the kitchen and say, hey guys, we're having dinner tonight, we're having salmon. Why? Well, you know, a lot of guys should be need to watch your diet. I mean, maybe you need to watch your cholesterol. Well, that's how we're gonna handle it. We're gonna start putting these little, I guess, um little things into the fire so it's like subtly throw them out there and i do with my firehouse i'll throw things out there very subtly oh, yeah you know all of a sudden they saw a training board up in the office what's this oh it's our well i'm the train officer well this is what we're gonna do so you know what's going on everybody knows when you come <laughs> in they see what's going on for the month and day a week um there's a lot of water in the firehouse more than we had ever before well i talked to the chief he came got cases and cases of water we have it everywhere um there was a soda machine. Well, that's never getting stocked much anymore. Well, let's let's move it out. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, chief found a, my, our old chief actually found a, a tractor tire, and um, he's a big fitness guy as well. Put in the firehouse. Let's see what happens. Next thing you know, we're doing tire flips in the bay. You know, we have squad bay. Took the squad out and start doing tire flips. And next thing I know, I'm running an entire stretching of uh, dynamic and a static stretch, um, cool down right when we're done. You know, just to kind of cool and and meditate. After we did it all, and people were just like, "Wow, this was great," you know. We also cover Rutgers University, it's state university here in New Jersey, and we're we're just doing a, a pre plan for the year to start off the next year uh, when when the school comes back and, for, and Rutgers football starts up. We're just walking walking the facilities, and um, actually, you know, we said let's do a walk. Get out the engine, just start walking around. That's we're not here to talk, to walk and pre plan. We're here to walk. And clear our minds mm-hmm. meditation-wise. You know, I talk about things like that. You know, that's the firehouse trip. That's what it's really about. It's about how to bring the life and fire service together and how you can take life lessons and bring them to the firehouse and also bring firehouse lessons into your daily life because there's so many things, as you know, that we learn in the fire service, we experience on scenes in the firehouse from other people that are so pertinent to life.
0: Oh yeah. And oh, definitely. That,
1: really is what the firehouse tribune is about and and that's why we have that mantra and i didn't really think about it until i was talking to steve green on one of his podcasts and he goes i love your mantra and i'm like to be honest with you in the back of my mind what the f is a mantra and what are you talking about and he goes and says work hard stay safe live inspired can you explain that I was like, "Oh no!" Good thing you're already <laughs> talking
0: about this because this was one of my first questions I had about it. My because I was going to say the same thing. I absolutely love it.
1: I I got it from a, a fitness guy, Todd And He not it's not his words, but he used to have a, a mantra at the end of his fitness videos years ago that he would say something very kind of in the same, same realm. So I just started as I was writing my first blog ever. Um, at the end of it, I wrote, until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. The live inspired I took from, from Don Durgan, he, he he said, always would say, live inspired at the end of everything he, he taught. And I thought about it and I'm like, well, if you work hard, that's important. I mean, work, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, right? So mm-hmm. work hard, staying safe, that's self-explanatory. This is a dangerous, dangerous environment, a dangerous job, protect yourselves. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. That can mean many, many different things, but stay safe. Live inspired is to be open. Keep your mind open to everything out there. Don't be so stringent on what my department does. Think about what what else is out there in in the world and how other people are adapting with the times, adapting with how things are changing. Not the fire fires, but the world. And by doing that, you're going to evolve yourself. You're going to evolve your department. You're going to evolve everything you do about your life. And, and that's what it really means. So it's more than just the fire service logo, uh, mantra. It's, it's a whole life mantra.
0: Also, I love how you're already talking about evolve because that is one thing I'm bringing up later a lot <laughs> because I love your use of the word evolve.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. It, adaptable.
0: It's exactly. Right. it that hit me. That hit me in a really good way. When you, when you, it, we'll get into that in a little bit. I'm I'll tell you it.
1: how I got. I came up with that. I didn't come up with. I'll tell you where I landed, where I got it from. So that that's the firehouse Tribune. So we're getting into. Maybe I should drop this new one. I wasn't good. I was I was saving our new idea. It's up to you. Only <laughs> two people, right? now. I guess three people. Though my wife is one of them. Tom Marciano our newest contributor, me and him working on a project. The other one who kind of hinted it is not part of the Fire Tribune, but is a very respectable fire service contributor who wrote two fire service books. That's Mm best-selling. I'm not going to drop his name, but I will be on his podcast. And it is in the form of what we are doing right now. What we're going to do is we are going to launch five tool firefighter podcast sponsored and hosted by the fire attribute that's awesome it's going to cover the fire basically the first five or six chat for five or six episodes are going to be the book and nothing but the book going from there it's going to be maybe tommy coming on co-hosting or potentially having other guests not for all fire service related so there might be people that have nothing to do with the fire service but there's chapters in leadership, there's chapters in discipline, there's chapters on situational awareness, adaptability, fitness. I bring somebody on it, knows a little something about that. They could talk about it in a different light.
0: That's, that what's about. So that cool.
1: <laughs> That's what we're doing. have so the Fire Tool, Five Tool Firefighter Podcast.
0: Oh no, that is, that is really exciting. I will, I have a huge list of podcasts that I love listening to and some of them I filter in and out between depending on the week or how often they release other ones are, I'm super dedicated. I listen to every single time, every single week to them. And this is one that will be added to my list because I think it's a really good idea.
1: Awesome. Thank
0: you. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Appreciate
1: it. That's the fire tribute. <laughs>
0: Uh, so what, so what, what year did you start that? Do you remember?
1: 2015.
0: 2015. Okay. I don't know if we actually said that or not, because I wasn't sure exactly how long that it, has been a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's been a long time. It took a little time to get off the ground, but. um.
0: Oh yeah. Everything does, into, especially the best things yeah. do. The best things yeah. tend to take a little bit longer to start, but once they do, they catch like wildfire.
1: And the thing exactly about it was to divert um, in the beginning of it, I was nervous to really put myself out there mm-hmm. and I did some podcasts, but I don't know what it was. I was talking with someone in the fire service and just told me, don't be scared. You know, you've gotten this far. You've been to the firehouse numerous times. Um, you're doing all this speaking. And I said, let's do it. Let's. But that's when I started getting more original with the topics that I'm, I'm putting out the, mm-hmm. with the articles it was when someone said, start being you. And stop hiding behind the name. Yeah. And once I did that, I, I really saw things it, things start blowing up, you know, more connections with people, making a lot more um, relationships and having more opportunities to just get out there. Because you're starting something new. No one knows who you are. It's a little scary. So a little nervous in the beginning. But once I did that and started being me, it just, just helped. Well, you have
0: something so unique, and not not just you, but every person who has something like that out there. Everyone is so unique of a personality, a unique take on how they're doing things, a unique message. Even if they're saying the same thing, they're saying it in a different way, from a different perspective. And a lot of that, the fire service hasn't seen. Until here recently, they haven't seen all these different viewpoints from it. They've seen a very oh, yeah. narrow view. And I think, well, I, I know it's, it's because of social media it's because of the internet it's because everything's blowing up information is at an all-time high and we're getting just a little bit too much information at times. Oh, yeah. But because of that, the, the fire service is starting to see all these different takes from the same subjects that they've heard the same people, not, not a bad thing that they've heard the same people talk about for years, but they're starting to hear it from new people, not from new perspectives. So it's just it's it's interesting and it's it's really cool that you you got the what's the word I want to use the the courage to step out of your shell and to to be more you, because that's what people want. People want to know you and they want to know your experiences with it.
1: And and that's it means a lot more. I mean, it really definitely made me feel comfortable. Um, A lot of these people now we have a little group chats and, and we talk to each other and yeah it it means more and I feel more comfortable being um, Nick from the Firehouse Tribune not just the Firehouse Tribune you know
0: exactly (laughs) (laughs) I I hear you there I'm I'm starting my own little journey with that too I've tried it from the beginning to be me but here lately I've been saying too it's like I'm finally starting to just not care and just say things how I want to and take on the subjects I want to and it's, it's, I can see, like you're saying, I can see the relationship starting to grow in the right way and be meaningful and not just, Oh, Hey, this is someone who's coming on the podcast, but this is someone that I can actually relate to and work with and have a good relationship with
1: in the future. And the funny thing is I just had this conversation with, with Tom Marchiano. actually this this afternoon, we were talking and, um, you know, I said, I'm coming on this podcast. And I, I said, I've been on a bunch. I've honestly I've been five, five alarm task force, numerous times. FireX talk with Mike Stagrant, great guy. Mm-hmm. Crew First Culture, Jeremy Sanders, another awesome, awesome guy. And uh oh, yeah. he's on a few others, uh, Professional Brotherhood, and everything else. And um, you know, I, I just tell people, you go on these podcasts, and you really get to meet the people that you're, in, in a sense, talking. You're talking with about whatever you want to talk about with, but you get to talk here with stuff from their point of view, mm-hmm. and. Some of them you're just like, all right, that's that's great. When I listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm like, you know, that's an all right podcast, and I'm listening to. I don't know if I'll tune in, but then there's ones where I'm like, I need more, I need more to listen to. And mm-hmm. I've been following your stuff for a while. When I saw them out, I'm like, what is this podcast? So I started looking at it, and I'm like, now that's a unique, that's a unique oh, one right like there. <laughs> and I like those because you know the one thing you don't see a lot of is female firefighters coming out and doing something like this, or. Mm-hmm. Um, really getting out into that realm. There's a lot of there's great ones in the public speaking realm. Oh yeah, they're really doing doing podcasts and and getting their name out there. It's a totally different realm, and I was like, they're in a, it's a Midwest one, so it's definitely way different than the stuff that I'm I, I experience. Mm-hmm. But that's what I like. I love hearing about experiences from other parts of the country, and. I say that to my own department. I said, we got to get out of that shell. And you start experiencing it from all different people's points of view outside of our general New Jersey area. And you will see how amazing it is. Oh, it's so
0: cool. Like Just talking to people from both ends of the country. You know, I just got done talking a few weeks ago with one of the guys from Canada and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm, excited to talk to people from all over the place but just the perspectives you get the fire service is the same no matter where you go same people different firehouse even across the country but the way things they do things are different the way they see things can be different and you can take stuff from that Uh, I know I had a good conversation when Rob Ridley from National Fire Radio was on with me we were talking about what different places in the U S how they were outfitting their fire trucks to make sense for them. And it was just, it was an interesting conversation because if you don't get out of your little bubble and start looking at that, you're not going to see these cool things that they're doing to their fire trucks that make it easy that you might actually need the same thing for
1: yours. So many things, so many things you could take away. I've taken away things from guys out in South Carolina. I I know some guys out there and um, some of the stuff that they've taught me even in North Carolina, the guys some things like I've learned things from from them that don't only really get spoken about up in north. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because when people hear New Jersey firefighters, I've been told at times, like, oh, big tough guys from New Jersey. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, are yeah. not okay, afraid to, we're not afraid to knock it down <laughs> you know, do what we gotta do. But um you, you know, it's a different atmosphere when when Firehouse used to be in Baltimore. You know, and then it moved down to Nashville. And when I went down there and did some, and spoke down there a few times, totally different, totally different. I'm like these and I, I picked up so many different things from there and brought it back up and I'm like, Where are you getting this stuff from I'm like I was in Nashville for a couple of days, you know And then talking with guys in the Midwest and California and it's it's everywhere I go. it's just it's great to hear different perspectives and and see how things were are different but are relatable. You know, one thing I remember I was, we were, a bunch of us were hanging out, walking, walking around a honky tonk uh, one year, you know, all from different parts of the country. And one of them said, see, your problems are the same as my problems. We all have the same problems. Just a different name on, on the back of the, on the back of the jacket, <laughs> you know, so it was great. It was great. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I talk about Clubhouse a lot on different episodes, but Clubhouse is this, uh um, I'm going to say it's basically a social media app. It's kind of weird. It's all audio, though. And uh, so I talked with firefighters from across the U.S. We have our quarter of people that usually show up to it. And it's just so cool because you get to learn from people all across the U.S. And you all have the same problems all the time. It's crazy, like you're saying. So let's get on to talking about this book because I, I got a lot of notes. <laughs> Somehow we got to get through it. <laughs> uh, so what a let's see, how do I start this out? That's going to make the most sense. So the term, the five tool, the five tool firefighter, i going to start with that. Uh, I'm, go- I'm going to try to do this in a way that the listeners can get a feel for it. If they, I mean, obviously they haven't read it yet. And I do think it's a good book that first responders need to read, not just firefighters. I think it can be for other first responders too. You can kind of adapt the the takes of this i think into different first responder realms um anyways so wow what am i trying to actually say there taylor so (laughs) the five tool firefighter where did you get the idea for that how to come up and what actually led you to putting it in an actual book form
1: okay so the five tool firefighter the name came from my favorite sport my collegiate sport and a sport that i was I did play professionally for a little bit of time, semi-pro. It was. Um, There's a tool. There's a term in baseball called the five-two athlete. And if you're a five-two athlete, you're best. You're an all-around player. You can do it all. You can hit. You can run. You can throw. You can field. You got it all. So I was thinking about what are the five five things in the fire service that will make a firefighter well-rounded? Because they always say this person is a great firefighter. That person's a great firefighter. Um, they, they know a lot of stuff on building construction. Great firefighter. Or this person's a great leader. Great firefighter. But what are five things that will make them, a? if you need to focus on five, and five obviously will break out into a hundred as you go. Yeah. But what are the five? What are five things? So I wrote down five. Those are the five in the book. But however, I decided to take my thinking to the masses. And I put on a survey, and the survey asked that same question. Here are eight or ten different choices. I can't remember how many I had. If you had to pick five to be the top five to be a, attributes for a well-rounded firefighter, pick them. And when I get to a hundred participants, I'm cutting it off. Mm-hmm. In two weeks, I got a hundred participants, and. As I'm telling a friend of mine who is a firefighter, I'm writing this. I'm going to do this survey, this little study. See what happens. I'm going to have, a disc, you know, I'm going to have something that's not the same as mine. It's not going to have a match. You know, one of them is going to be off of the five that we spoke about. And he goes, "Yeah, I think you'll probably have one difference out of the five, so it will be like a sixth one." Sure enough, it was matched everything I wrote. <laughs> five I wrote, five. I was like, All right, there we go. So it. I said, well, I'm going to write about these five. And I'm going to write why these five are the most important or the top five. And as I'm doing it, it just started getting longer and longer. And I said, I'm going to write this into a book. And that's legitimately how the book came about. It was just, I was curious. And I wanted to do a survey. And the survey turned into me wanting to, after I wrote a little bit, I decided, let me write the summary, the summarized version of why I did it, mm-hmm. which became the last chapter. And I said, this is a book. Let's just do it. And from February of last year until July, I was writing this thing. Well, it took about six months, six, seven months to write.
0: But it seems like a long time to be, even though I know it's not a long time to write a book, but it seems like a long time.
1: <laughs> it was a long time. It was, it was painful. The painful parts were writing, going into factual information. Mm-hmm. When I actually put the fact piece in there and, and writing it, rewriting it, rereading it, rereading it, rereading, it, write it all. When I had it in editor mode, and, and I read the book, I, I I printed it all in in paper and read it, made little tweaks, and then sent it off to someone to edit the book. They sent it back to me chapter by chapter, and chapter by chapter, I read it again and again and again, and I said I gotta stop. And they told me stop reading the book. There's nothing else you could put in this book that's gonna make it any better or worse mm-hmm. because you can write a hundred more things in here, but you might lose the audience. Yeah, and there were a few things that I didn't put in, and I I thought about it, and I'm like, I should have wrote that. Should have wrote about that, but it wouldn't have made a difference. Not made a difference at all. So I, I stopped. But I wrote things in here that were from from personally from me. I wanted to get. I wasn't trying to get personal, but as I was writing the chapters, I started realizing. I don't want this to be a textbook. So I got to write some personal information. here. And I really dug deep to write certain things in here that I never told anybody about. Like um, in the leadership chapter, I talk about a captain. Mm-hmm. And I never told anybody how that captain impacted my life. I never, get, I never did that before. But I felt it was pertinent to what that chapter was about to put that in there. Because otherwise, I would just write a chapter and just said, this is how I do it. But as I was writing it, it, it something in my brain just started typing that story. <laughs> and I remember it was early morning. It was in the morning. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning when that happened. And then again, when I was writing situational awareness, that lieutenant, his brother, it, that chapter wasn't supposed to have any of that in there. None of it. But as I was writing it, something triggered to just be... Yourself, make this book about you. Sometimes there's stuff
0: in there that just needs to come out. You you just need to get it out, and some of those parts were what grabbed me in some of these some of these chapters too. So it worked. (laughs) You (laughs) were doing it for a reason.
1: And I just thought I was just doing it just to fill space. To be honest. (laughs) um, Oh, I understand
0: the feeling. I do. I do.
1: The fitness chapter. And I'll, tell, I'll, I'll list the five attributes once we're done. But this thought was the fitness chapter, believe it or not, was written before I even wrote the book. Really? The reason it was written before I wrote the book was also because most of that stuff I already wrote as blocks. Mm. And when I looked at the fitness chapter, I started doing my research. I'm also a or was a certified personal trainer. I'm not anymore. I let my, that lapse out years ago. But I am a nutrition coach, a certified nutritional coach, a battle ropes instructor, a fit, functional fitness instructor. So I'm still in the fitness realm of things. I still have certifications of fitness. Um, so I really sat down and tried to think about what I wanted to put in that chapter. That I wasn't ripping off somebody else and just mm-hmm. writing the same thing somebody else wrote and went more specifically to me. And what what is my fitness life about, my, my lifestyle? about? Because it's not, to me, it's a lifestyle and i'm not working out i'm training i'm always training for something if you think about it in that sense and I'm training for life really what it is but i started thinking about the things that are very important to me and what has changed over my years of working out and and going to a gym you know being a baseball player i had a specific regimen i had to follow as far as working out and some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, it's actually in that book. The core workouts, the stretching, that's all in it. And when I ran track and did martial arts, it's all part of it. But I also did a lot of heavy lifting at times and did a lot of stuff like that. But I didn't put that in because that's, to me, to be a, a firefighter, lifting heavy weights isn't going to do much for you. To be functionally fit, it's good to lift. Heavy. I still lift heavy weights at times. I I now learn to change my my workouts based on what my my life and what's going on, what what my goal is, mm-hmm. and listening to my body as I'm doing things. And if this week it's you know I, I I have a little notepad that has all my workouts in it, and it'll tell me how many weeks each each workout session is. So this workout regimen might be five weeks or five weeks. I'm going to focus on heavy lifting to build sh- for strength. The next six or seven weeks might be more functional. So I'm always changing. it, and, and that's what I really wanted to make sure the book was talking about was listening to your body and, and doing what's right for your body, but not just doing some workout um, just because somebody told you to. That's why there's no workouts in the book. I mean, there, there's core things in there, but there's no actual workout regimens as far as Squats and presses and everything else. It's more about what's what works for you, but these are the key components to any workout: stretching, core, and and taking care of yourself is key components to any type of workout you're going to do for the rest of your life. Because if you're not flexible, you don't have a strong core. Everything else is going to go shit, if you ask me. Because <laughs> your core is the foundation to to your entire body. Yeah. Your legs, if your legs go, your body goes, but if your core can't hold anything up, you really are, you really don't have, you don't have strength. Mm-hmm. Core strength is the key for anything. And that's what the, the fitness part's about. Um, the mindset piece I kind of came up with as I wrote the book, that part came up as I wrote the book, uh, because I do stuff mentally that I feel like you, you need to know things, like, you, need, you need to know about your mental health how to take care of it how to keep a good mindset because that plays into the other four attributes so that's how that works and the five tools is leadership with discipline firematics situational awareness fitness for duty fit for duty as i call it and adaptable and that's just i put that in a specific order in the book
0: oh okay i was wondering about that too
1: if you had a specific, specific order on why i did that started with leadership and I started and I specifically said self-leadership and discipline
0: I love that not anyone hardly talks about self-leadership and that was great because everyone every every leadership class you take or most of them, I should say not every I haven't taken everyone out there but a lot of them focus on some different takes on leadership but not a lot focus in on self-leadership
1: if you think about it and I learned this from now retired chief and he's in the book Deputy Chief Frank Pescuso, Carney Fire Department here in New Jersey. He would always say, the quote, I'm gonna read over the book, you've read it, it's in the book, Chapter page five. <laughs> a leader of one can one day lead many, But if you can't lead one, you can never lead any. And I was in a, a class with him and he said, what is that one? And then people looking around, pointing around, well oh, it's a per- no it's you, it's yourself. If you can't lead, start with yourself. No one's gonna listen to you. If you can't lead yourself and practice what you preach, there's no sense of going any further. But in order to, to, to lead yourself, to get up, to understand that concept, you have to have discipline. There has to be a sense of discipline in your, in your mind to say, I want to be the best firefighter or I want to be the best leader there possibly can be. But the yeah. only way you can do that is through your own self. All that motivation talk that people do and everything else only goes so far. Kevin Hart said it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Motivation. I'm, I'm only paraphrasing right now because I, I wrote it one time on one of my posts, <laughs> but um, in a different way. But leadership motivation only goes so far to discipline. That's really what takes over. If you don't have discipline, you're not going to get that far. Motivation takes you very short, it's a very short span. Mm-hmm. Discipline's the long term. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And I trained a couple times with a, a former UFC fighter. And in one of our sessions, he said to me, "As I'm doing, we're doing late kicks after late kicks after late kicks. And we're just practicing, I'm throwing, doing some light spark. And he said, it's not what you do in front of us. It's what you do when nobody's watching. It takes discipline to stay here and throw these kicks. Discipline when you're in that batting cage to take those pitches. I used to take on my own turn after when I was, I finished college ball. I was preparing to to go play for this pro team. And I had taken a little time off. I went to the batting cage every day, five days a week, and took 80 pitches every single day. And I counted every single pitch that I hit a line drive off. By myself, I didn't have anybody with me. I wouldn't take a soul. And I did that because if I took somebody with me, I would stay there and I would do it. If I went by myself, I can always lack all, slack off. Mm-hmm. And I would take pitch after pitch after pitch. And I would tally how many days I hit 80 pitches. And some days I'll turn it down, maybe 60. Maybe some days I'll do 40. But I always went in, in quantities of 20. But it was never just 20. 40 was the minimum I would do. And I would count how many I hit. Line drive, that's all I drive. And it took days to get to that because i would start at a very slow pace a slow speed and i would build and build and once i got to that 89 mile an hour speed that's when i my, my my mind was just going this is it nobody's here nobody's watching me nobody's i'm not showing off to anybody and over time that, that carried into the fire zones i would be in the bay by myself tying knots putting my gear on um Going through the engine and just close my eyes. Where's the tool? And you saw that 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 drill I did that they do. I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I just actually we just we just did this last month. um you Know we know the engine or where's the tool? Why are you doing? It? And you only get that good at knowing something when you're doing it by yourself. And that's what that the, the self leadership's about. And then the discipline took over. If you have discipline. You, have, you can have leadership because you can build on it. You can get yourself up every day. You know, what's the first thing you do when you get up? You know, how do you start your day? And, and that's what it's about. That That's what the first chapter is really talking about. That was Being awful. the best version of yourself before you can be the, you can bring that to somebody else.
0: It was definitely a good way to start the book. I That caught me and started... Started, well, I, I, I read it all in one sitting. I've read it actually twice. Um, oh, but, wow. but I, well, that's the way I get when I get through a book, when I get into a book, especially one that interests me, I keep going. <laughs> now the sitting took me several hours, but <laughs> it was, it was awesome and it made me want to keep reading. Um, so that was a really, really good way to, to definitely to start, to start the book. So one thing that's interesting, uh, so I caught this and it was in the end of that first chapter and the leadership chapter, and you start talking about, well, it's it's very brief that you mentioned it, you know, how you, were when you were new, you were wanting to learn it all. You want to be like a sponge. It was was a very, very bad idea versus taking small steps. And I want to know how you came to that conclusion. Not that I disagree with it at all. I just, you know, want to know how you, how you got to that and how you realized it was a bad thing or what it was doing you a disservice for or with
1: I was having trouble um having the conversations we're having now Mm -hmm. feeling that if I didn't know everything right now I didn't know anything at all and I just was wanting to compete with people that were doing it a lot longer than me and prove my I want to prove myself and Don't we my, all? Yeah,
0: <laughs> we all come from that first
1: yeah
0: first year what, to five years. You want to learn everything,
1: yeah. And I loved it so much. I just want to know everything. What really slowed me down was when I switched houses. I was in the first house for about nine years. When I switched houses, the culture changed. It was a culture shock for me, you know, because where I was in the beginning was you had to know everything. Tech rescue, uh, brush, you know, wildland type firefighting. Uh, I was on a truck, um, doing all this stuff. But the other one, it was a much slower pace um, where I'm now. And um, it was just a better, it, it was hard. It took a little time. It was like a culture shock to do it. But when I started realizing it, I don't have to know everything, I don't have to know really much. As long as the guys around me and the, the women around me, we all got each other's back. We all train hard and everybody has a niche. Everybody has something they're specifically good at. But as long as you have a general, everybody understands a little bit about things. No one's here to prove anything to anyone. You know, we, we did that. and We're here to, to grow as a family. Uh, it slowed me down. And what really slowed me down was that mentor that I mentioned earlier that subconsciously not even knowing it when he hired me as an instructor it slowed me down realizing different things and realizing things are going to come over time and teaching helped me do that
0: oh teaching helps helps me teaching helps helps everyone learn more and and solidify things in their brain and stuff It's crazy and with the learning everything all at once I found personally if I try to learn everything I can't I can't remember it all. I can only remember a few things. So if I'm tr- if I'm going through a whole book or a whole uh, class or whatever, so let's say, you know, I'm taking firefighter one or whatever and I'm, tr- I'm shoving this all in my brain in like a month span or less, there's almost no way I'm going to remember all of that pertinent information. It's not going to stick. Exactly. I may memorize it for the test. I'm good at that. A lot of other people are too, but it doesn't stay in there for long term. And I feel like a lot of us yeah. get into those, get into those habits early on where we just, we, we expect it to stay long-term. We're like, oh, well, I learned this once however many years ago. It's going to stay with me for the rest of this career. I made it through this class. I got my certification. I'm good now. I don't to touch it again. Well, do you actually remember any of it? Because <laughs> I know I don't, a lot of the things I
1: learned. <laughs> Not at all. And, and you know, I, I mean, I've taken tons, 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 tons of classes, recertifications for this, for my certifications and everything else. But the one thing I've learned, and I, and I tell people over time now, is you can have a book of certifications, but a book of certifications and a book of classes don't mean anything. If you cannot take that knowledge and bring it to the street
0: mm-hmm. and
1: utilize things, and you can you, you can utilize tech rescue stuff in a, strict, in a structure structural firefighter firefighting situation in an MVA incident, subconsciously, and there's different things you can do. But if you can't utilize those tools, you took a class, you. you you took up space. Thank you for your time. Thank you for filling a seat in my class and making me feel good that you you came here to, to want to do it, but that's it. You just have a book of knowledge that isn't being utilized in some fashion. And, you know, you have to be able to utilize what you, what you've done in some kind of way.
0: Yeah. Practice just... with it and take it to, yeah. to your incidents that you're responding to. Even if so, like, um, well, you're talking about this uh what the new commander or the new sorry, new officer stuff that's coming up at the end of the month, right? That class that you're putting helping put the words helping to put on stuff with it. Um you know, you don't have to be an officer, I'm assuming, to take that class. You can be just yeah. a firefighter wanting to go yeah. learn that stuff. Okay, cool. you have that information. You're not gonna use it yet. I get it, but you're gonna be able to take that knowledge and learn it and utilize those same principles now. And then when you get to that position, you're going to fully be able to utilize all those principles that you're going to be talking about. I can almost guarantee it. Yep. So.
1: That's how it works. If <laughs> that works. There's guys in my department that are doing it. Lieutenant a tenant and actually my assistant chief. He's like, I want to do it. I just want to learn. I want to sit there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whatever I, I do, did or did it, for? I want to do it again.
0: Yeah, I'm taking this command class uh, in a few weeks and like it's going to be hands-on commanding and stuff. I have no reason commanding at the moment, but you know what? First of all, the time can come when a volunteer commands, a volunteer firefighter commands, because that just it happens sometimes, sometimes only one. And who knows when I'm ever going to get promoted. Plus, on top of that, you can at least you know what's happening, you can better make your own decisions on the fire ground too, because of that. Exactly. You know how it works. So um you just have yeah, you just have to make sure you're taking those classes and actually making use
1: out of them in the real world. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And, and and that's how chapter two became. I mean, chapter too yeah firematics. that's what the next chapter
0: gets into uh so I was gonna say next yeah next chapter well first of all before we go into it I love all the quotes that you have sprinkled throughout the book I ate them up I'm a quote person I love it and so the one that caught my eye right away too after the Frank Fiscuso one stuff like that but the the Jocko Willink one was the discipline equals freedom and that's great because if you are disciplined if you are you know doing the grind every day and make sure you whatever you have freedom over your life and how it's going to end up. You have freedom to how you're going to spend your time. You have freedom to be healthy and do other things you enjoy because you're not worried that you're going to be in the hospital for something exactly. or whatnot.
1: So that's exactly what it's about. <laughs> freedom of your life.
0: Exactly. So no, I've really appreciated those, those all over the place. So wow. firematics chapter. Uh this this was interesting chapter. Uh it's I think it's fantastic for newer firefighters, especially. For for veteran firefighters, for seasoned firefighters, those of us in it, what I caught from this reading through it from having a year a few years on, it made me think. It was a good review over a lot of stuff, which is great. It reminded me a lot of uh the the firefighter training podcast by Pete Lamb. It was my first podcast I ever listened to, but he he didn't have anything quote unquote revolutionary he was going over, but everything he said made you think. And that was the purpose of it. It was to make you think about the way you do things, think about something I don't know, just the way he would say things would send your brain off into different different areas of the topic. And that's what I really liked from this chapter. Like I said, it was a good it was a great review. Some stuff I didn't know and I was able to learn and other stuff it was just a review for it. But it was the making me think, okay, how would I do things with this? You know, making sure that I fully understand the concepts again, and what are some things that I, even I have had misconceptions on? That was the purpose.
1: The Good. This was um, <laughs> the purpose was to take what I call the five pillars of. I didn't write that in here. I can the exact Um Five pillars of, the, of fire behavior, of fire matters. What are five areas, key components of? structural firefighting what what is the basis of what we do every day is Mm -hmm. fire matters and what is our first concept our first concept. i'm going through the book actually as i'm I'm talking to you is our first thing is rescue you know is recio vs something we learned many years ago we learned the fire academy you learn when you're pro-e firefighters is recio i'm not going to get very deep into all this bulimic (laughs) it's too much but i break it down because some people don't even remember what that means and why we do it and because of that because of the recio vs I, I go into it and I say, well, you have recently. This is what this is what our objectives are as firefighters. That's our that's our objectives. But before you have objectives, you have to kind of have your strategies or your, your concepts, scope, but you have to know your enemy. Francis Brannigan talks about that in his building instruction books. Mm-hmm. Knowing your enemy, your enemy's not the fire, your enemy's the building. So before you can go and rescue, extinguish, confine, all that stuff, and raise your base, you have to know the building. You have to know what the building's telling you to do, what the building's telling you. And I break it out by talking about the building construction. Not everybody's going to see all, all six types. We're going to go with six, <laughs> five plus the hybrid. Not yeah. everybody's going to have them. However, you never know. When you're going to need to have a little, a little key component from some of these, what you're going to run into. So I broke down fire behavior, break down building structure, very dumbed down, just the pro what it is, pros and cons of all the types and what you're going to find in them. Because if you don't know the the enemy, you don't win the fight. Simple as that. It's you know, when I when I played baseball i had to know who the pitcher was i had to know what his what his pitches were what his sequences are i had to know you know he's gonna know me he's gonna know hey next going can be able to hit a ball down and in okay so he's gonna try and jam me every time because i can't hit a ball down and in but if you throw something up out over the plate i'm gonna let it fly and i'm gonna hit for power but my strength is to spray the field and run i was a leadoff hitter i'm gonna get on base i'm gonna steal but i can hit for power if i needed to that's why i'm not a, i didn't call myself a Five tool and hit for power. I hit it for get on base, my job. That was my job. But it's also understanding going back to firefighting, the building is what you're fighting, the building is your enemy. And I'm a big Bruce Lee guy, and I've said this on other podcasts, a big Bruce Lee fan. And he talks about water, become what, be water. You put water in a glass, it becomes a glass. You put water in a vase, it becomes a vase. When you put water in something, it becomes what you put it in. Well, I started thinking about that, well, fire kind of the same way. You put fire in a building, it's going to do what the building is dictating it to do. The Fire is not trying to hurt you. The building is what, in a sense, you need to protect yourself from. It's and kind
0: of like going on your baseball theory, the fire is your baseball, whereas the mm-hmm. building is the pitcher. That That yeah. is very interesting way of looking at it
1: i didn't think about it that way but yeah 100 think about you're going to go into a structure blindly and not understanding components as the fire's traveling through it things are going to start weakening or you know you're going to go into a room and go so oh, crap you know i'm trapped in this room how do i get out of here mm-hmm. how do i do it but, because i don't know the makeup i don't understand the concepts of what the building's made out of to understand my gpns what i can do fire load everything else yeah, i can understand that you don't understand what the building can building entails. What I can do with it, and heat components. What buildings are going to be hotter than others based on the makeup of them. Ventilation purposes. Ventilation is key to any fire. So I break it down. First, you have to know your building. Secondly, after you know your building, you have to understand fire behavior. You know the building, then you know fire behavior. Because you know fire behavior for the building. Well. People try and way.
0: I try, but it just doesn't make sense when you try it that way.
1: It didn't work. So I figured building construction first, know your building. Mm-hmm. If you know all the buildings, then you are really fire behavior. You can visualize that in the buildings. Oh, okay. I get this. Now this makes a little more sense. But it's not just as far as knowing fire. It's also reading that smoke. The smoke is a better indicator than fire. Because when you're fire behavior, reading smoke, you can tell you that there's smoke is fuel. And without understanding how to read that inside a fire and outside, Mm -hmm. you're (laughs) in trouble. I mean, it's not an incident commander's job, 100%. It's his job. Everybody should be reading smoke and understanding fire behavior because fire is going to look different on the inside. He can't see inside. He has an x-ray vision inside. So it's imperative that the interior firefighters, not just the officers, understand how to read smoke and fire.
0: One of my favorite classes that I took, I took an online version of Rob Backer's The Art of Reading Smoke. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it 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 immediately, I could see helped me in fire response right after I took that. I was more Absolutely. aware of what was happening. I was more aware of what I needed to do to deal with the problem after that.
1: You can identify basement fires by reading smoke. Mm-hmm plain and simple you know once you've done that you you understand your building you understand how fire behaves read you can read the smoke you're pretty good at it you have to know how to size it up because now you, you are learned all the components behind it but now it's time for you to size up your opponent you've learned how it's built you learn what's in it you know how fire behaves in it. you know how smoke acts now it's time to size them up and see how you're going to fight them and, and that's what it's about. And size-up, I ask this a lot in a lot of classes I teach is, when does size-up start, when we get there? No, size-up starts at pre-plan. Size-up starts when the building maybe a foundation. Size-up starts way before you ever show up to a fire scene. Because when you show up to the fire scene, it's already too late. That's your incident, incident size-up. Pre, pre-incident size-up is the most important. Because now you can get all that information about what's in, inside that building where things are Uh, you have a general makeup because when the when this when it's live it's hard when it's a cold environment and when that is a fire alarm activation a walkthrough an inspection that's when you get your most most information to know when you show up i remember there's propane tanks in that in that um area of the building or there's an x-ray machine or whatever 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 you're going to i'm coming up with random things but there's (laughs) windows in the back, um, that are big enough for egress. Go into your or main was,
0: street fire and you have one of those really cute stores with a bunch of stuff, but it's all packed high and tall and hoarding conditions yeah. almost. And the windows yeah. upstairs are bricked out or bricked closed, So you can't get out up there if you need to.
1: And <laughs> exactly. I mean, by us, there's houses where it's turned into dormers and we have walls where there should be open floor plans or in there's stairwells that go to nothing um you know so because we're not a fire activation is better to do that find that out when you're in a fire and realize now you're calling a mayday because you're trapped thinking in this in this makeup of a two and a half story or two-story bi-level now you're in a one-story bi-level because the bi-level doesn't exist from where you're sitting anymore so it's little things like that that knowing you're building before you get there plays a part and then you also have your post incident size up which talks about what went right what went wrong what we found and how we can carry that on if it happens again or to a similar structure
0: i feel like not enough um firefighters and departments go into the post incident size up and and going over what could have been right and wrong and it's it should be that way not just for the big incidents like it tends to happen with but it should be that way for smaller ones too because what if something didn't go that wrong but it still went wrong and thank goodness it was a small fire but what if it would have been something bigger could this have actually been a problem what happens when the same fire happens again later even if it's a different location but you could have fixed it and it becomes a ripple effect, or it becomes a almost like a premonition of what happens later.
1: Yeah, it could be a even tool malfunctioning or just a, mm-hmm. a manpower issue. You can always talk about that. My department has a not a strict policy, but a decent policy that we talk about our incidents. Whether no matter what it is, we talk about it at the bumper, back at the station, we talk about it Isn't that if be it's formal? Two minutes, yeah, a couple minutes. Hey, you know why did you do that? Just, just wonder real quick, why did you do what you did on that scene? Why did you, oh, I did that because I noticed X, Y, and Z. Okay, let's share that with the crew. Done. That's mm-hmm. what we kind of do. You know, things like that. And that's um, how we
0: all learn, too. I can actually get inside your head when you're going through why you did what you did. So even if I wouldn't have thought of that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to keep that in my head somewhere.
1: Yeah, or I'll never do what that guy did because it made no sense. <laughs> exactly. So both it and. <laughs> And once you understand that that piece, it leads into tactical operations, which I call company operations. And I just broke out the basics of ladder company, what their basic objectives are, engine company, excuse me, I'm over here, um, and rescue squad. Because there's a there is a little thing people don't get, and it's not a common in a lot of departments that have squad or mm-hmm. rescue. So um, I broke that out of what they can do on a fire scene and. Be, and just kind of kept it simple. And I close it out with saying it's like an orchestra um, because it is. Each piece of firematics can't cannot work without the other piece in harmony. If you take the wind section of an orchestra out of the orchestra and you play the, the piece, it'll sound all right. You put the wind in, it'll sound in, it'll sound like the piece is supposed to happen same thing with firematics if you can't size up the building but you understand fire behavior you can probably get by escape by mm-hmm. but the likelihood of something happening increases as opposed to okay i sized it up properly i understand why i'm doing what i'm doing and putting my pieces where they need to go because i sized up and I could see the bigger picture because I, I read the smoke, I see fire behavior and everything else that goes along with understanding the building. I understand our objectives I understand what the truck responsibilities are. I know the engine responsibilities squad. I, I know what's coming and I know why they need to do what they need to do and when they need to do it. And that's what the, the chapter is about. It's a textbook chapter, yeah, but it's, um, I tried to paint a picture where if anybody picked it up, they can get a little piece of information. out of it.
0: Exactly. Like I said, it's a lot of really good information for a newer firefighter. If you're on for under a year, or if you just don't see a lot of fires, this is a really, really good chapter. And then for anyone else who's reading this, it's just a good reminder. And it makes you think about other things. And that's what I really enjoyed about that chapter.
1: Yeah, And that was why it's chapter two, because obviously leadership is first. Now you have to have the evolution discipline to learn the behaviors of Firematics to learn these attributes, these skill sets that make someone a good actual firefighter that can make decisions and make tactical operations smooth on a scene. That's why it's second. But you can have all the knowledge in the world, you can understand all of that. Now, situational awareness puts you into play because yeah. you can know it 100%, but if something goes wrong, do you know how to handle that? And do you understand the ripple effects? Of that it doesn't just play on the. Like, I put situa- situational awareness next and you know the first example I give is air management which is an odd and I told people about that when I'm like what the hell are you talking about? It's I love management. how
0: you added that because everyone thinks situational awareness is just the physical this is what the building's doing this is what everyone else is doing stuff like that. You don't think about your equipment that was what so could happen? exactly it was such a good different avenue to take with it.
1: Know your people. You should know your crew. Your crew should be like the back of your hand with your volunteer career. You should be able to know your guys. You train with them enough and you train like you mean it. Mm-hmm. You will know these people like it's day in and day out. You know, when when I played ball, if, if I didn't start and I had to come in later in the game, you know, sometimes I never played with certain guys in the outfield. At the same time, like, you know, maybe... There was a backup in the game. Well, I had to know how he played. He might be a little different than the guy that, you know, that I put that was in right field before I played center. So this guy's right field. I'll know oh, he he's a backup right field. He might not have the arm. So I have to know I might need to back him up a little bit harder than I would with the traditional right field that I was there who had a better arm um, or a guy may not have great fielding. So I definitely have to make sure that I'm going to compensate for that in some way as the leader of the outfield. So things like that, like knowing your team and knowing people's weaknesses is actually more important than knowing their strengths.
0: Well, and on top of that, I I hate interrupting, but I have to add this in before I forget (laughs) it. On top of that, it's not just knowing their weaknesses and stuff like that, but it's how they're knowing how they would react to certain situations. How is the person that you're with going to react to a mayday call if they need Mm -hmm. to have one or two, just something else happening? How will they react? And I don't think enough people um, and myself included, I forget about it a lot too. Yeah, we don't it's, think it's about it.
1: Yeah. Human behavior and human reaction is probably one of the biggest things we dist- we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And to understand simple thing as air management, they say know your air consumption. Well, I know my air consumption, but do I know his or her air consumption? Mm -hmm. Because I can assume they're training me, but they might be under the weather. They might be injured of some sort. They might have a health problem, something going on. And you're thinking, all right, I'm in the building. I'm 10 minutes in. I use a quarter of a tank. I have three quarters left. Not really monitoring. They might be sucking their bottle down. And we're assuming we're going to do something. And all of a sudden, a low air alarm goes off. Well, that changes what we're going to do. If we get there, and that's already had happened, it already started okay. before we even began our operation. So understanding that, and and I talk about how to how to go about doing that and, and go around that. So I put that in there just because there has to be a human element besides just the physical elements around what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and flashover ventilation. You know, I I put those. I, I started out with a flashover because that is pertinent because that's not on every either. Not every day someone's going to run into a flash. But if you happen to see the sign of a flashover, know them. Know this is why fire behavior is so important. This is why chapter two is so important before chapter three. That's why fire behavior, reading smoke is born and and building construction is very important before you can even have situational awareness. Because without understanding those concepts, you're not going to understand how flashovers is eminent. And that was the situation that I ran into. I didn't know those concepts. Like I do now, when that when I talk about that example, um, what happened when I was in there, but I didn't understand it, and that made me want to become better at at learning building instruction and learning fire behavior and everything else, because what happens, the, uh, flashovers could happen, and then what leads into is ventilation, and a lot of times that's one area that people fail on is properly timed ventilation, so. Those are situational awareness factors that I want to put in because I felt it was very important that you had a human aspect and then you also had the fire behavior aspect of it because there has to be some realism as well, well not definitely. just all all textbook and you know I, I close that out talking about Sun Tzu and his book The Art of War
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that's where it all kind of situational awareness really stems back to that. Really started that time. The military really popularized it and really talk about it. But Sun Tzu was the first one to ever write about situational awareness back in his writing days of ancient times. And I ended up with a quote: In the Art of War, Sun Tzu says every battle is won before it ever be, is ever fought. And it makes sense. If you study your opponent, you're prepared. You can win that battle before it's fought. You can beat your opponent to the punch. Know your job, do your job. Know your people around you, and know what their responsibilities are.
0: It's daily that's, tunnel vision.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, tunnel vision will kill you. Yeah. So the first three chapters are that's how I lined them, and when I got into fitness, fit for duty, as the the fourth element, I brought that in because we learned a lot. We learned a lot about we. We've let ourselves, we disciplined ourselves, we understood fire behavior. We are able to handle it in situations and identify things situationally. What now we have to talk about us and how we're going to prepare our bodies and our minds inside and out for those situations. And that's where fitness comes in. And I, I mean, I touched on fitness earlier and we talked about a lot about fitness and, and why I did, why I wrote what I did, but, um, There was something in the fitness chapter, you know, I I really got, I went different with, and it was also yoga and massage therapy.
0: I'm happy you went into that. Not going to lie.
1: I I did it because I do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not, that is the reason yoga is in there and massage therapy is because I do it. I'm a proponent of massage therapy. I have many different ways that I, I mean, I'll go and get a massage but i also have foam rollers i have a so right machine it's like a, i have a little one here i'll really show it people on the thing can't see it but it's this yeah. little well this is a mini one you've probably seen the other ones okay uh, hit your psoas muscle in your, in your stomach really deep muscles
0: oh up. okay um,
1: this one is more for like getting knots out of your body and then they have the bigger one it's to hit the psoas which is really far in and a lot of people don't really have really weak tight psoas muscles which limit their body and they have no idea because it's such a deep muscle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have the alpha one for your spine, for your neck, for your back. Um, I have the spine one. Helps me loosen up my spine. You lie on it. You know, move around, you know, wiggle around and loosen up the tension between the spine or around the spine. Different massage. And I have a massage gun as well. So I, I use them in yoga. I do. I don't do it every week, but I do it from time to time. And it's something I, I take pride in. I'm not a yogi but it helps me clear my mind. It also helps me loosen up and decompress. It's part of it. With sleep, sleep is a key component to everything we do. I mean, shift work is one thing, but sleep is important. Sleep is highly important for every functioning human in the world. That it's not in the book, but I wear what they call a whoop band. If you ever see it, it's um, this band that monitors your sleep habits. It also monitors your workouts and all these other, your blood oxygen level and everything, to make sure I'm getting enough sleep, on a on a daily basis. And it tells me my REM sleep, my light sleep, how many times I woke up, uh, and it's in indicative of. It can even identify if you put in you had too much alcohol. It'll tell you you woke up certain times because you logged in that you had four bottles of whatever. You know, say how many how many alcoholic drinks you have in it well, yesterday. I had three what was the last time you had it seven o'clock and it'll identify things that that might be a reason why you had bad sleep Might be a reason why your respiratory rate went up Um, so it tells you all different things and since i've been using it for over a year i was actually able to really know myself more so i put things in there that really um, worked for me
0: one thing i loved from this chapter probably the biggest thing that's well there's two things but but the biggest, biggest thing that stood out to me was the the comparison to the athletes and how the athletes know when the game time will be. They have their whole pregame routine, right? They're gonna they're gonna do what they do. They're gonna get themselves ready for this thing. And to a point, firefighters have that, right? Especially if you're current, mm-hmm. you're on you're on shift, or if you're a volunteer and you work shift work, you you have somewhat. It's not quite as precise because you have that whole shift time. You could go on a call, but it's it, you still have some sort of routine to it. And it's something that, you know, I say on the, on the volunteer side where you don't have shift work, where you just respond from home, you don't have any sort of a pregame routine. You don't have a way to get yourself ready. You kind of always have to be ready if you're going to be home and ready to respond for that. And it's just, it's interesting. And then with career, like you you could be mandatory you could be called in from home for extra forces if they need something, right. There's plenty of times that you could be not be ready to go on a call but have to go on a call because they need you you know athletes have the specific time they have to perform right they have like okay a football game only lasts so long a basketball game only lasts so long and their next one's scheduled for a certain time whereas firefighters you could be on scene for a for a wildfire for a structure fire for however many hours i mean how long the the new york one just happened yesterday two days ago whatever that was yeah two days ago I mean, I don't even know how long they were on scene, but it wasn't short. I can guarantee you.
1: You gotta, you gotta be going, you know, and to know your body and mm-hmm. to be be ready for that is is very important. That's why flexibility, I think, is the is key. Flexible, your flexibility helps you out. It helps you with long durations. You know, your body won't tire as quickly. Yeah, uh, it's could stay more. Having core strength to stay up, keep that air pack on, and. Moving. you're on your feet a lot wearing a lot of gear. Um, so well, like you said, you know it's you don't have the choice of when it starts and you have to be ready for it. And departments sometimes even start off their day their morning with their with the um, the daily stretch, crew mm-hmm. stretch just to loosen up. and it's good to do like I'll stretch I stretch every day. Sometimes I'll do it more than once just to keep the body loose. You
0: know,
1: yeah. dynamic stretching, static stretching. I always start out with dynamic, get the body warmed up, getting some static stretches after that. And uh, if I feel tight, you know, I mean, I'll jump on a roller or something. or Just something to keep my body moving. But um, to take care of yourself is probably the biggest thing you can do for the entire job and for everybody around you.
0: Exactly. It's something that could get you in trouble very quickly and you didn't, don't even know it. You don't even realize that it's a problem until it becomes one. Sure.
1: Yeah. And recovery, recovery is very important. You know, recovery, body, right? take care of your body. Use use the different techniques. You know, I brought up, and um, have a mindset. That mindset is very important. If you have a poor mindset and you're not ready, uh, going through some stuff, get you know, know what you need to do to make sure you can get help and to get you through it. You know, because I obviously every chapter ends with a quote. Uh, Jim Rohn: Listen to your body. It's the only place you have to live. If you don't listen to it and you push your body to too much extreme, it's good to push your body. It's also good to listen to it and not do things you're going to regret and hurt yourself with. Like, don't try to pull out that extra squat when you know you just do not. You're not pulling with. You're not pushing with your legs. You throw your back into it. Well, that's a bad idea.
0: Yeah, don't screw yourself um, up for that. Don't, don't don't cause a bigger problem just because Definitely. you want to finish it. It's okay to stop early sometimes.
1: Uh, I believe in quantity over quality. Uh, quality over quantity. I should say. I said, I said it backwards. You know, <laughs> I rather have. 10 good reps with perfect form and then try to bang out them next two where I'm struggling and I potentially push something out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I'd rather not do that. Every now and then, you know, it's the fighter in me wants to and I'll do it. But um, you know, we all have that alpha in us to say like, I can do more. But oh yeah. yeah, as I've gotten older, I'm not old, I'm 35, but um I've learned to to say, you know what? Maybe today is not the day to go heavy. Maybe today I just need to deload it a little bit, calm myself down and know what my body's telling me to do. Like this week, I've actually been on COVID. Uh, I had COVID for, I was diagnosed right after Christmas, tested positive, diagnosed, tested positive for COVID. And um, I didn't work out for an entire week. So it's my first week of workout. And with my same workout that I took a week off from finishing up the last two weeks of it, and this week was just, um, not as heavy, just kind of just getting the body back into moving, moving shape again, because it was, or this is my second week, actually, um, last week was my first, so my second week, I'm still struggling to get really pushing to a little bit of a more intense weight than I was before. Mm-hmm. But I have to listen to myself. My yeah. body wasn't there last week. So last week was like just getting used to it again, even though it was a week you're exhausted you know your body just, just i mean i had a really bad sore throat and just had body aches and just was so tired um so last week was like uh, all right let me just get myself back to doing moving around again and um this week i was a little better so i listened to myself i listened and didn't try to be a, a hero in a sense mm-hmm. so. that's where adaptability comes in right I had to oh, adapt. Definitely. I had to adapt to my change. I adapted to change in what I was doing. I was used to a, such a specific way of life. Something happened. I had to change. Are you, I, you doing I, that on I,
0: purpose? Are you are you no. are you on purposely going into the next one? Because just all of these sounds so such a perfect transition, and and maybe that's why they happened. flow so well.
1: It just kind of <laughs> happened. We're talking, but uh, you know, adaptable. I said I was going to tell you where I got that. You said I like that Evolve thing from, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I love okay. the Evolve.
1: I was co-teaching a class with now Battalion Chief um, John Dixon. Um, he was time Captain John. Captain John Dixon. And we were teaching a class for National Foreign Firefighters. And he said, what if I said the word change? You guys don't like that, right? think it's a bad word. It stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And he said, what if I say Evolve stuck with me. And that's where I was like, that makes sense. People don't like hearing change, but people love hearing the word evolve or adapt or something outside of change. And I couldn't think of another word. So I was trying to come up with one, I couldn't come up with one. So um, people like hearing those other words and being adaptable is exactly what it is. We, we understand that in the fire service, things are changing. Fire service changing because everything around the fire service is changing. You know, as we know, what was twenty or twenty-five years ago now thirty or thirty-five years ago was the building construction like legacy versus modern building construction. Legacy was more natural components, wood and and natural fibers. As now you're finding more um, hydrocarbons in the in the modern building construction, petrocarbons, plastics, and different. Products of combustion that are not natural. So, obviously, they have a—they give off more heat, they produce more energy, and because of that, the flashover went from twenty-five minutes to four minutes. I'm estimating numbers here. Around that time, yeah. You have to adapt to those. You have to. The fire service has to adapt to that. We're still going, to regardless of this transitional attack that people talk about. Which is a newer thing in a sense, but firefighters still have to go in, open up, and search a fire. Oh, yes. They still have to do that. Being adaptable also means, isn't saying to take away from, I should say, from that concept, because I believe in that concept and it, it's been proven since the dawn of firefighting that that's what works. But yeah. being adaptable is to know that if it doesn't work because of many reasons, what do I do? How do I change that? Or a hydrant's out, put up. We don't have tankers around that. We have hydrants. Oh crap, the hydrant doesn't work. The next one's well over a thousand feet away. We're not gonna be able to stretch that line fast. enough. We don't, we don't have enough. Now what are we gonna do? Or we have setback houses. And I, I was just, this is one example I have because we sometimes have setback houses. We have 200 feet of, of pre-connect on our, on our crossings. So our rule of thumb is you have one for the street, one for the door. Two to get inside. So you want to have one for the stairway, you go up the stairs and everything else. You want to have a little bit of play in your, in in your line. But what if you don't have that? How do you how do you go come about that? How do you come about if if you have a house that was renovated where they added on, but when they added on, they just kept adding back, not up, but back. That fire is in the way in the back, and you pull two and a half. You think it's a you look at the front of the house. I don't look that bad, but they push it back, and the fire's way back there. What do I do? How do I adapt to the situation? How do I pivot out of crap? I pull the cross leg of two hundred feet. I can't make the reach. How do I? How do I adapt to that? Just knowing your engine, knowing what's on your engine. Well, yeah, you have you have a static leg. You could probably just throw off and connect in. You also have a high rise kit. You could probably take that. You know, different things like that to adapt to the situation at hand. And that's what being adaptable is. That's what makes the first four. You can utilize the first four even better because if you have the fifth, once you know the first four, that fifth one, you can take those and you can juggle them around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what that's what adaptable is. You can juggle everything because oh, I don't have a truck. What can I do? Like we talked about fitness earlier. Same thing. Like, I'm not. How can I? How can I accommodate my fitness lifestyle in a way where? I might not have a full gym today. I want to do certain things. What can I do to get that same workout in in a different way? And there's many ways to do that. Um, There's so many different things you could do with adaptability that make you a much stronger, stronger firefighter. Because you can adapt to what's around you. You can evolve to what's around you and you can identify the changes around you to work them to your favor. And I don't know how much of a big football fan you are, Um, I use the person I always use is Tom Brady Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he's my favorite football player currently Um, anyway I I like him because of how he's able to adapt to the game and he can take different things about defenses and say this is what you're doing Well, I'm going to change my play to beat you and I'm going to do these different things he did in the Super Bowl against Atlanta he was down 28-3 to he came back and won the game you know, he adapted to what they were giving him. Same with the fire service. What you're seeing might not be, and what you're doing might not be, you might be banging your head against the wall. But if you can take a step back and say, hmm, my method of thinking is not working today. I need to step back, recalibrate. We can, finish, you know, mm-hmm. we can have a better my my thing went on a low battery mode for a second, it kind of threw me off my uh. My thing. <laughs> but we could be successful, so that's um, that's adaptability and that's
0: science. Well, it, it makes me think of a couple different ways of looking at it because you have adaptability from like the personnel standpoint and the behind the scenes and whatnot, and the way you're, the way the fire department is ran and the fire service as a whole is running to be adaptable and changing sometimes to make it work better or more effective or let's say recruitment policies, you might need to change things for that to do a different way than you're doing. But then also on the fire ground, adaptability comes with the openness to see different things, that they might be better ways of doing things in that situation. But the only way that you're going to be effective and adaptable on the fire ground is by practicing those methods beforehand and going out and learning and taking to, not really to heart, but just really understanding the concepts, even ones you don't agree with necessarily so that you have them in your head so you can pull from them when the time comes for it. That's, to me, that's the only way you can be adaptable, but you have to put in the work beforehand to make that happen.
1: 100%. Oh, so. 100%. Practice different scenarios
0: mm-hmm.
1: on how things will work different ways. That That's one thing I preach. and That'll be something I'll be working on as another project.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see all these projects come to light.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the book. That's the book. In, it, in a nutshell. In a long nutshell. So but...
0: <laughs> a long nutshell, but I think it was worth it to go through it that
1: much, not gonna oh, lie. <laughs> most, I've, most I've spoken about it on, on a podcast, so I like it.
0: <laughs> so if you're if you're good, we'll go on to this last little section here. Let's do it. All right. So for those of you who are new listening, we are going into our family firefighter survival section. This is the section that we talk about whatever comes up, whatever comes to mind. There's not, there's not a script to this. It's going to just be a very laid back conversation about how we deal with our lives, with our personal lives, our personal relationships in dealing with the fire service, Uh, pros and cons with it, maybe some struggles, what it looks like for us, uh, insights, things we've learned throughout the years. And this is overall to help our families survive this fire service life and job that we have, whether you're career volunteer, it doesn't matter. It affects our family members back at home in a very unique way than other professions do. And I think if we can do our best to to combat negative effects from that. We're going to be a stronger fire service as a whole. So Nick, let's, let's get into this. Um, so, so can you tell me just a little bit, just general about your family a little bit?
1: Uh, I'm married, uh, with, with a son, uh, who's three years old.
0: Oh, so, so super uh, young. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, Perfect. And, um, that's,
0: that's I, I can I can give you I just want to know first of all <laughs> just make sure who is in your family and stuff like that in age ranges because the age range does make a difference. So if yeah. you don't mind me asking how long have you been married to your wife?
1: Seven years. Seven years, okay.
0: <laughs> I have to make sure that's correct. I can't put that out there, if it's the wrong number, right? <laughs> it's okay. I ask my husband all the time, or somebody asks him how long we've been married, and he always say you're less than what we have. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) So, so we're so you had were you in a relationship with her with anyone when you entered the fire service? Because you you said you've been in the fire service for what
1: twenty years? Twenty. Yep. Okay. Uh, We yeah the whole time. I mean, well, when I started out, obviously I wasn't there, but um, yeah, she she, we started dating when I when I was already in the fire service.
0: Okay. Uh, So, how did what did it look like when you started dating? How did it fit in, or did it fit in pretty easily? How did it look like for you?
1: It was pretty easy. It was pretty easy. Um, there's always been a little apprehensiveness with me doing it. Mm-hmm. Um just having the back of the mind that it's very dangerous. Oh, yeah. um, and I've told you know I've told stories and different things. So that you probably know doesn't you help. that <laughs> yeah, not at all but, but you know, just there's always a little bit of a of a worry, even on my part, you know. Um making sure, you know, you're safe and just trying to hope that you go home. And, and ever, you know, ever since being married, I think it was more fearless back then, but being married, and having a, a child, you realize how precious in time, how precious life is and how much time there really is that um, you're a little more cautious mm-hmm. in my mind. So, you know, um, that's how it is for me. I, I try to make calculate decisions the best I can and, and just know that, you know, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to be some hero. I'm just trying to go home every single day, be safe, the best I can.
0: So with your son growing up and everything with this, um, I, how much are you including him in stuff now? I don't know how much at three years old, you don't quite understand a lot when it comes to it or. uh it's he kind of your little age, isn't it? Just like yeah. maybe starting to understand stuff, but not quite.
1: And yeah, he, he kind of gets it when he sees the fire trucks, different fire trucks. Even if it's not even my town, uh, he'll be like, look, daddy's fire truck, daddy's fire truck." Uh, so I don't think he gets what it is, but he loves trucks of all kinds. So for <laughs> him, it's just like uh, his favorite color is red. So um, it works out well in that sense. But um, <laughs> I've taken I've taken him down a few times, and uh, but he was. You know he doesn't really get it. Mm-hmm. But when so he's going, daddy's he's going to the firehouse. Okay, bye. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, when I get in the car, I'm like, oh, going to take a deep breath. You know, because you just don't know. You just, you just do not know. You you you, you read you read stories. You see stuff in the news, um, and you just pray to God and you. Yeah. Really, it comes down to.
0: That. It's hard because even if you can. You can train and do all you can and you can be the the most fit firefighter and even your crew can can be right there with yep. you and things still happen.
1: Absolutely. It's yeah.
0: ridiculous.
1: When you when you when you get hurt and you are put in a hospital, you have a different appreciation for things. I, I've had a couple injuries. Nothing nothing life threatening. Um just a banged up collarbone. That was really a freak accident. And uh, <laughs> severe dehydration that they brought me to the hospital for. I mean I, I had nothing left. in me I, I was I was having um tremors. the body was shaking repeatedly couldn't couldn't control it. Uh, goodness. But uh it was a hundred degrees outside. So it just took over my body and just mm-hmm. weakened me. But you really realize how much better you get to carry yourself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so and that that was a long time ago and I really am. hydration's key. You know so Much of an athlete I was, you still have those. I'm young, you know. I don't have to worry about that, but you realize real quick when you're in a situation like that.
0: Well, and you have to keep yourself safe safe for the family and things. So you were you were mentioning how your wife isn't thrilled with sometimes with the job, with stuff, with you know, safety, and I get that, and it's not uncommon by any means. So is there some way that you I mean, is there something you do to to either talk about it or do to help, um, not, not just for you, but with her to minimize those fears or to, I don't know, is there anything there that you have done in the past to go over it?
1: Um, through the years, it's gotten easier. Um, as over the last couple of years, especially because she's come to some of the trade shows with me and speaking. Okay. Um, really got to under, she understands a lot about it, understands about the gear and understands the risks and limitations. Um, and I tell her about different things about the gear and limitations and, and the, the body. And she's an athlete herself. Um, so she understands that, that role and, and really but sometimes I'll say something to her and you know, she'll throw it back at me at times. <laughs> so, that she understands things and asks questions and you know that's really how it is now. Um in the beginning it was like I'm terrified. I don't like you doing this, but you know, so I'm still terrified, I don't like you doing this. But more of now of um realizing that there's there's so many things that we can do to help ourselves and take care of ourselves. But you know, it's always in the back of somebody's mind.
0: Oh definitely. I think I think that's very important. One thing you bring up with that, though, is just the knowing the gear, just going to the trade shows and stuff, going to the conferences, seeing, explaining to her more about it. And I don't think, a lot of firefighters do that with their spouses first of all because i don't think a lot of spouses really want to know or care to know it's just something whatever mm-hmm. but how much do you explain how much because you're probably walking that tightrope of how much is too much to tell that it's going to scare her and how much is the right amount that's going to make her feel comfortable and at least knowledgeable about it
1: uh, i've gone to both ends you know we <laughs> into every you know scary things but but she sees things like on tv um,
0: yeah
1: even watching these stupid tv shows
0: Oh, the, oh my goodness it's really funny my husband loves watching chicago fire i cannot stand it
1: all right we both hate chicago fire we like the beginning but i was just hollywood we went to where's 911 and she'll ask me questions you know she'll ask me questions about is this what really happens and sometimes i can answer the questions and sometimes because of the locations you know it's like well i don't have i've never seen it before mm-hmm. but some of it looks kind of hollywood you know with certain things but she's really taken understanding of it. And I think bringing it to the trade shows and everything else had helped, you know. Yeah. She picks up on stuff real fast, So That's and good. And sometimes, I'll, she says sometimes, what if I put gear on her into a burning building? It's like, hey, back stuff out. Uh, she's <laughs> like, you think I could do it? I'm like, trust me, you could do it.
0: I think a lot of we people could do it. Do, it. I think, do it. I think it takes a special mindset. I don't necessarily think it takes a special person, which I know some people will disagree with me on that. But I... I that the mindset. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't, I I hate, I'm sorry. I still hate getting dirty. I hate, I don't know. Like I don't do that kind of stuff ever. And I got thrown into this world on accident because I was bored. I know it sounds stupid, but it's because I was bored and I got thrown into it and now I love it. And I couldn't see it not being in my life in some way. So I I don't, as long as you have the mindset there to push for it, I think you can really come from anywhere. And I think a lot of people just don't realize they have the mindset for it. So I know they have all over the place, they have these uh, kind of firewife training things or whatever. They'll put it on with conferences or whatever. Will they actually, will do a training with the spouses and let the spouses have the gear on and do some of the firefighting things at the conferences. And it's, it's so cool that they're doing that now.
1: Yeah. So let them know, you know, it's, it's a, it's good. It's good to people understand that it's, mm-hmm. it's not what Hollywood shows as much as. It's cool to watch, but to understand it and go from there. I mean, even there's days that I even call my parents and talk to them. Hey, I'm going on a call right now or something crazy, or I was just on this call and this is what happened. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm going into the firehouse, I'd be safe. You know, my dad will always if I talk to him, he's like, just be safe. And you know, he was in the military, he knows, he understands. But you know, yeah, it's it's it kind of brings you down a little bit back to reality when you hear just be safe.
0: You start forgetting it. You're around this stuff all the time. You're like, I know this Mm -hmm. stuff. This is easy. Like it's a no big deal. We're going to a standard one acre grass fire. We're going to go to a one bedroom room and contents or something. It's it's not bad. We got this. It's easy. And, but then yes, like you said, somebody else says be safe and you start realizing, Oh, this is not normal.
1: And, and, and the, the last thing I actually have to say on it is um the National Foam Firefighters, they when we do these things, the one thing a lot of these courses that we teach, we talk about the line of duties, there's always ones with spouses come on, family members come on and talk about the the fall. The common phrase that is always said is they knew what they were doing. Mm. When you think about it yeah they did know what they were doing but sometimes outside factors happen that yeah. you cannot control or it's you miss and that's the human element you know you could just like the book it's five foot five, you could be a five to a five but sometimes human mistakes or unforeseen incident circumstances Take precedent, and something happens. Sometimes when it's your time, it's your time, and there's nothing anybody can do to stop that. So, when we sit and we we talk about these with, with these firefighters, it gets a little somber because you, f- you feel the tension in the room. Yeah. When, when guys say, What's well, they watch a video?" and you're like, "What'd you think?" and you're just like, "Oh," you know, like you, now we have to talk about it, and we have to be the, mm-hmm. the upbeat guy in the room. But you know, it's um. It's the one thing you hear a lot. They knew what they were doing. They're not going to discredit that or take anything away from
0: it. Well, where. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm proud of other spouses out there who who've dealt with this for years, who are dealing with this, who are new to dealing with this, who are just about to start this journey of dealing with this, and whatever. It's something new to take on, and it's something as firefighters. The firefighters don't understand it unless their spouses as well. They don't. It's something completely different. Just like the spouse will never understand what the firefighter is like and what they're thinking from their side, and it's so hard to bridge that gap sometimes. And I, I just, I hope that all of us remember to talk about it more with our spouses and to remember that sometimes, even though they don't want to hear more about it, giving them more information and more details on it will. Will actually ease our minds more. Absolutely. But, so, Sorry. is there anything else that you'd like to talk about with that section that anything else we've talked about tonight?
1: I've spoken a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've come so It's starting good. to get
0: scratchy again. you have yeah. you starting to have relapses to last week of the go no.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. This was, this was this has been fun. This has been a really, really good conversation. I've, I really like the stuff we've gotten into tonight. Thank it's you, Nick. So if people want to find more of you, talk to you, how do they find
1: you? I'm big on Instagram. It's my favorite one. Uh, so it's FH Tribune is our handle, the Firehouse Tribune, FH Tribune. Um, Twitter is the same thing, at FH Tribune. Uh, Facebook, the fire Tribune. Or simply go on the website thefirehousetribune.com and email editor at thefirehousetribune.com and i respond back as quick as i can you know usually it's the same day or the next minute depending on what i'm doing <laughs> i get back to people right away and you know I, i'll talk about anything whatever they want to talk about if they want questions on the book questions on what we're doing um want us to do a zoom with their fire department or them that's fine by us too we'll do whatever uh, perfect so.
0: And don't, so definitely don't miss that class. So you're putting out that the, was it six tips for new officers?
1: Six tips. Yep. Six tips for the new uh, fire officer. Uh, it's Tuesday, January 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It'll be just register on our, we have a link on all of our outlets. You could find a link there Instagram, social, uh, Twitter, our website. And you just register. You just put your name, your email, get an email back, and then you'll get the Zoom link that day.
0: Perfect. I got to ask this because I cannot make it that day. Is there any sort of recording that will come out for it?
1: I'm glad you asked because I forgot to record the first one, but um, <laughs> we'll be recording these. And um, if people want them, they can just shoot me a link. Shoot me on a link. Sorry. Shoot <laughs> me a, a message and I'll send it out.
0: Perfect. All right. I'll sign up so I don't forget about it anyways. But that I will definitely send you a message for this for the uh, recording link because I would really like to watch that. <laughs> That's awesome. Is there anything else you'd it. like to talk about? I think you'd like to plug or whatever.
1: Um, That was the plug right there. So, oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to like, it. And if they, if they want to get the book right now, it's only on Amazon. I'm waiting for a shipment to come in for the website. I have, uh, it's just been backed up. So I should get them next week. I'm going to have a bunch of orders come in and you can put them off the website as well. And those I'll sign. If you get them on Amazon, I'm not going to I don't sign them. You get them for me. I sign them if people care. So <laughs>
0: well I appreciate this signature not gonna lie I like I like having that in my in my own library too so it's just one of those little extra special things so appreciate it perfect all right well it's been really really good talking with you Nick and I will catch you again on Instagram at some point point. and for everyone else episodes coming out next week as always weekly episodes I have no idea what I'm talking about but I think it's gonna be a fun one because it usually is All right. Well, it's been great. I will see you guys all next week. Thanks for coming by and listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Couplings Fire Podcast. See you next time, everybody.